this time on episode 367 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss WandaVision Season 1, Episode 9, the series finale, weekly Marvel news, and your feedback. I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, March 7th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast hex-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Be Heard Day. Oh, that's why we do this podcast, isn't it? To be heard? That's what I was thinking. You know, (laughs) I chose this. There was a list of about six of them on National Day calendar, and I chose this because it was the only one with history involved in it. And it's not that long of history. It's only like 16, 17 years. National Be Heard Day is basically encouraging small businesses across the country to make their presence known. Okay. And the history goes back to 2004. It was started by business mentor Shannon Cherry, who founded National Be Heard Day to help small businesses stand up and be heard above the big business marketing. I am in favor of this. I like to shop small businesses where I can. I very briefly owned an Etsy store, but I was not really good at promoting it and ended up focusing my entrepreneurial drive elsewhere. Yeah, you can find some really cool stuff from small businesses. I like this day in terms of our podcast because it supports local comic book stores. Yeah, there is that. So if you have not reached out to your local comic book stores, if you still have one, I would encourage you to do so. All right. And with that, let's get on with the rest of the show today, because we have a lot to cover. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of how are we supposed to wait all that time to find out what's going to happen with all these characters now? If you'd like to talk to us about numerous dangling plot threads you can find us on our website legendsofshield.com if you want to like yell into the void like i've been doing for the last couple days you can leave us a voicemail at 844 the bus one that's 844-843-2871 you can find us on facebook legends of shield podcast you can find us on twitter at legends of shield we're on youtube youtube.com slash gonna geek You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join the dozens of us who have been writing about our thoughts on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. 
Wow, it's been two days since the premiere of the series finale of WandaVision, and uh, I know there's been a minor spoiler emporium, but we're going to talk about it right now. WandaVision, Season 1, Series 1, Episode 9, titled The Series Finale. Wow, how appropriate. (laughs) Was published to Disney Plus on March 5th. That's Friday, two days ago, 2021. Lauren, why don't you run down the creative team and the director specifically for this episode? The episode was directed by a name we've heard many times before now, Matt Shackman, who has 51 directing credits starting in 2002, including one of Judging Amy, one of Six Feet Under, two of Everybody Hates Chris, three of Ugly Betty, five of House, five of Psych, four of Revenge, six of The Good Wife, two of Game of Thrones, and nine episodes of WandaVision. We should have challenged each other on who could memorize it best after nine episodes, but we didn't do that. It's been the same all nine episodes. A big thanks to Matt Shackman for putting this on for being the director for the entire nine episodes. Can I just say y'all would win in a memorization contest? It's been how many years? And I'm still looking at the number for our voicemail just to be sure. You're not alone in that. That's (laughs) usually it. If it wasn't for the bus one. Yeah. Eight, four, four. I remember the eight, four, four part. And yeah, the bus I remember one. the 844, the bus one. It's just the actual numbers that my mind is just like, ah, numbers. <laughs> Hashtag RIP the bus. Oh, Michelle, why don't you run down the writer for this episode? Well, this episode was written by the showrunner, Jack Schaefer, has six writing credits. Timer from 2009, The Hustle 2019, WandaVision, and wrote the Black Widow movie. And this is her first time of show running and i think overall she did a pretty good job yeah you're not gonna find haters here we're gonna not even nitpick but we're gonna point some stuff out as we go along but i think this was a very entertaining i'm gonna spoil it right up front i think this was a very entertaining series i enjoyed it i'm glad i watched it michelle how about you oh yes i thought it was innovating in a lot of ways it surprised me i didn't really think marvel had the guts to do something so experimental. You know, um, we talked about Legion on FX. This was not Legion weird, but considering what I thought was going to be happening, this is something really experimental and surprising from Marvel. Lorna, your opening shot at the series. (laughs) I really, really loved it. I think this has been kind of proving that, hey, you know, the big tentpole movie people are capable of doing something that actually like brings some nuance into it it's honestly i thought a really really good not really meditation on grief because there was a lot of fighting scenes for a meditation but it did a really good job of of humanizing these two characters that maybe didn't get as much screen time as you would have hoped and doing a lot of moving the story forward in multiple directions while you're doing that. There has been a little talk that I've heard around about grief in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 2018 was the Infinity War. 
2019 was Endgame, both about grief. 2020 was about grief because the pandemic closed everything down and had nothing to do with the MCU. And then 2021 has started off with Marvel looking again at grief. To be honest, I'm looking forward to the next series up because it sounds like it's not about the grief. So it'll be a little bit fun. And Marvel did have this plan before WandaVision was going to come out anyway. So I think they were heading in that direction away from the grief, but it is important to deal with the grief as we talked about in throughout the series. And as you just mentioned. Yeah. Gwen's dad in the chat just said it was the MCU musical episode. Yeah. I guess if it was just like the really sad, bummed out parts of a musical. Well, you got to remember happy parts too. Yeah. The sitcom part of it was like out of character for an actual TV series. Yeah. So I could equate that to music. I see that. I see that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some things about what happened in the episode first, and then we'll get to some larger strategic points. Let's start out with the fight, if you will. It took all episode between Agatha and Wanda. And this was set up in the previous episode. Agatha had control of the boys using her magic, and then there was just a lot of fights, a lot of back and forth between the two, and a little bit uh, going into, I think, Agatha's mind. I don't think they actually went back in history into uh, the Salem era, and I think it was well done. I'm still a little confused as to the magic that was used and why it was used at different parts, but I enjoyed it. Okay, so yes. First of all, there manages to be some pretty good characterization during the fight, which I love when fight scenes allow that to happen. We find out a little bit more about what exactly Agatha's powers were. We sort of theorized this seeing her flashback previously, but it's confirmed now. Yeah, she absorbs the power that's being used against her. And this is one of the reasons why she kind of latched on to Wanda is, okay, you're super powerful, I need that. We also have Wanda coming to terms with, you know, this whole time she's like, oh, I'm a science experiment. And it turns out, yeah, she's a little bit of that, but she's also a little bit more. We do know from previous movies that the MCU does have magic users. And she is one of them. Not only that, she is basically the most powerful one with the direct tap on chaos magic, which we find out, hey, this is going to be a bad thing somehow, but we don't know how yet. We can talk a little bit more about that later. And we kind of find out, I think, Michelle, you were the one to point this out with that uh, the Go Magic or Yo Magic commercial. The shark is Agatha. The person trying to open the yogurt is whoever is actually using the magic that Agatha suctions up, complete with kind of withering down into a corpse. Yeah, I don't know if that was me or if it came out of a a joint discussion. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Her being able to absorb power explains how she was able to enter the hex unnoticed because she basically sort of like absorbed as she was able to come through and then you know, get a taste of that sweet, sweet uh, Wanda magic and want more of it. 
um, of course, giving herself time. That's how powerful she is. Like she's able to come in, find a house, set up the basement in like a day or two, and then start to mess with Wanda and start to figure out what's going on. I enjoyed that fight. I liked how Agatha was on the billboard. (laughs) That was like the cleaning product, but it was like of mother nature. So it was, you know, really interesting because Agatha is taking the stance of, I keep order. I'm the magic. I keep order because (laughs) I take magic from people I think that doesn't deserve it, which I guess is everyone according to her. Is she selfish? Yes. But she's also terrified because she actually tells Wanda, you do not know what you've done. And obviously, she's a (laughs) Wanda's a quick learner because I loved the fight when she was like, first off, trying to overpower Agatha, just giving her, fine, take it, take it. And Agatha's like, yes, gimme, 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 distracting her to, and then she was hitting the hex walls. I'm like going, I've seen that move before. It reminded me of a recent episode of Black Clover when, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but it does. When Leopold no, I, was- I'm just laughing because <laughs> like, I, I love, I love this tactic in yes. in books and shows, anything like that. And Black Clover's been on my to watch list for a while. Yeah, it's it's, it's wrapping up, but this is going to be its last season. So you'll have a finish point. Yes, I can marathon. Yes, this is not a spoiler. The entire arc is called War with the Spade Kingdom. So um, <laughs> Leopold's in a fight against this devil. That's not giving anything away either. This devil is like, oh, ha ha, you're missing me. You're not doing that. And then at the end, you know, Leopold like just like stands still. And the devil's like, oh, you're giving up? And he's like, no, I'm not. And his hands start to, and he realized that boom, 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 there was this huge circle around so he could cast this mega spell. And I'm just like, yes, I saw Wanda use that tactic. And I'm just like, yeah, because that's her space. And she was able to put all those runes and take back her magic. That was a great, I think, on the spot strategy, her kind of putting everything together, accepting who she is and going, okay, if I'm a witch, then I should be able to do this. And lo and behold, I did it. It seems to be the hallmark of all the Avengers that when they're put in a tough spot, they get a little creative on how they actually go out and they defeat whatever villain or subject or whatever that they're going after. So, yeah, that was great. Also, before we get too far run away, the CGI in this entire series and especially this episode was amazing. It was leap years beyond what we would get with linear television. And for that, I think the evolution of a genre TV show is squarely because you wouldn't even be able to get this in, in over at the CW. They have some amazing effects over the CW for the DC universe for the Arrowverse over there. It pales in comparison to this. So my expectation of what I want to watch is now at this level. It's not at that level anymore. Sure, I will watch it, but I won't consider it to be like a frontline show unless I get like this level of stuff. Agents of Shield was good too. I mean, there was some flaky stuff in the last couple of seasons. There was the Ghost Rider stuff and then and some minor stuff that was hit along the way. But if you give a little extra time to the CGI guys, this is what you're people, not just guys. This is what you get. And it was great. The part where Vision and the boys in the middle of the town square was, I don't know, disintegrating or whatever. They were coming apart. 
it was very computeristic to watch the little chunks come off of them, but at least it was done in a way that I thought was state of the art and I wasn't taken out of it by poor visual effects. At least it was like, Oh, okay, well this, this is what it was. So I just want to say thank you to the Marvel team, the Disney plus team that put the graphics together because it was really good for this whole series. At least I thought so. Oh yeah. The VFX were great. Okay. If we're calling out people right now, the set designers, the background artists, the makeup artists, the costuming department, all of the little details were just so top notch. Like we've talked every episode about, you know, there's this tiny little detail that you know is referencing something or you know is telling us something about the characters or what's going on, whether it's the title cards on the movie theater or the costumes and the colors they're in or, you know, a particular like lighting choice or something. It's been a pleasure to rewatch just for that. I love stuff where I can rewatch and see like, oh, this is a really subtle thing I missed, which is one of the reasons I really like Black Panther, because you can tell so much through the costumes. And here it's another one of those like, okay, just such good attention to detail. Okay, this is a really minor thing, but down to the underwear. One complaint that I see among the costumers that I follow on YouTube all the time is, okay, you're in this period dress, but the chest is very clearly a modern bra. And in the past sections, like the 50s and 60s sections, she has that cone shape of the like vintage bras. And it's it was just such a little thing, but it made me happy. Agreed. I mean, people, I've been kind of reading some things about, and especially like the Modern Family, because I did not watch Modern Family. So I did read an article about the ties to that. Apparently, the pillow was a tie to Modern Family. Wanda having a board with like the schedules was something like the character in modern family did. Um, the staircase was also the same. It, you know, which also with the Brady bunch, you know, I recognize that that staircase is just iconic when it comes to sitcoms. They just, the detail, the eye to detail is amazing. As long as we're going to talk modern family, I just want to say this one last thing about the modern family without Ed, we would not have gotten Modern Family. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> Bowling Alley, Lawyer, Ed. Okay, let's move on. It's another big thing that I wanted to discuss right off the bat was vision. The white vision, vision, the whole thing between what vision was, what vision became, and what vision might be in the future. There's a lot to unpack right there. Michelle, I want to give this over to you to start off with. Well, first off, vision comes in. Okay, white vision, which... Let's just do it this way. I'm giggling because <laughs> of, of a Twitter thing we're going to talk about later. So White Vision was able to enter before Wanda opens the hex. So in case you were wondering like how, because again, he's Vision is made from that same material that is already present within the hex, which is how he's able to enter. And I loved, it reminded me how with Vision and Ultron, because I did rewatch that and how Vision 
talk to Ultron when like during their final confrontation and how that was part of the wind down to that fight. Oh, it was an epic fight, you know, here, there and everything. And going into the library and being like, you know, learnings like, well, the directive is to destroy vision. He's like, well, I'm a conditional vision. And that makes the other one stop. And he brings up the ship of Theseus discussion. <laughs> if any of you have had it, I have. Yeah, this comes up a lot when you're watching Star Trek. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like it's, you know, some people who don't get like the ship part. Oh, it's just the ship or whatever. I always bring in cars because it's like if you have a car and you're replacing the parts, when does that 1970 Mustang remain a 1970 Mustang when you're replacing all the parts? with things that's what it's about when is you have the original thing but once you start to upgrade it change it replacing old planks replacing the fabric of the sails it becomes that sort of idea of it's missing so much of the original parts is it still the ship of theseus is it still you know that thing and it's such a logic it can be like for me, it was like almost like a two hour, two and a half hour discussion. And it's such a very interesting thought experiment and discussion. I just love the fact that it came in. Yeah, it's one of my favorite sci-fi tropes of you have this, this person, let's say. I'm going to use the example of Farscape. There is an episode where a character is not so much cloned as twinned. It's a perfect copy. They both, they both have the exact same memories to the point they were split, which is the original. In Star Trek, again, it's you step into a transporter, you're broken down into your component atoms, the data is shifted elsewhere, and you are rebuilt with component atoms. However, are you now the same as you were when you left? Like, yeah, you have the same memories and stuff, but technically, you're not really made of the same parts anymore. And it's, I want to say, I've heard there's like an episode that actually kind of discusses this. Yeah. If we don't get Thomas Riker in Picard season two, you know, <laughs> that's that, it. Yeah. Yeah. They, it, we, we have to because uh, the actor behind Will Riker <laughs> is like one of the showrunners, basically. So I, I'm really, I'm really pulling for Thomas Riker. By the way, Riker, Commander Riker, Captain Riker, yeah, there's, whatever there's he is. William now. Riker. Yeah. And then there's Thomas. And because you guys got me watching Stargate, there's the episode where they are, they become synthetic, biosynthetic yes! androids. Upgrades. Yeah, they're upgrades. And that team actually goes out and does what the original team does. And they're like, well, maybe we have a better understanding of your original mission and everything. And that's why we're doing it better. It's a sci-fi trope for a reason, and that reason is you can literally discuss this for days. I mean, people have. This is one of those things where, again, it's discussed in philosophy just all the time. From what I understand, I am not a philosopher. I have a very basic level of understanding of philosophy, but it's one of those what makes a thing a thing questions. Yeah, and also I do understand that it's Jonathan Frakes is the actor behind Riker, by the way, just so everybody knows I, I do that. Getting back to Vision, though, it's really neat how 
I think the vision that was created inside the hex knew that during the fight that he wasn't going, he, he wasn't meant to last. He wasn't going to make it beyond the hex. He wasn't going to make it beyond the day. And he took the time to lead white vision through everything. First of all, to stop the fight. But second of all, he thinks that there might be a future for white vision that he wasn't going to have. So he mm -hmm. takes the time to unlock all the memories of white vision who then runs away. We never see him again in terms of this series, but I don't see him destroyed anywhere. He didn't self-destruct. There wasn't a big boom. So I'm going to assume that white vision is still alive. He's just working things out. Right. Chekhov's white vision. Right. Yeah. And, and this <laughs> leads us to the possibility that vision could come back. I mean, he's already back in the MCU, but could come back as actual vision. If he could, as we've been discussing, could merge with the soul of vision as well. We'll see what happens there. I'm completely open. I don't have a set. I need this from my vision character. This is Marvel taking Paul Bettany, who played both characters fantastically, by the way, taking Paul Bettany along with them for the ride. He's been with the series since Jarvis in 2008, and he continues to be part of the MCU. Well done, Paul Bettany, and well done on your character's progression from Jarvis to all the way to Ultron Vision and now White Vision. It's going to be a ride to go along with Paul Bettany here. And he left, and, and we'll get to the scene later, but he left by saying, we'll say hello again. It wasn't the last thing he said, but it was the second to last thing he said. We'll say hello again, indicating that we will get Vision back in the MCU. So really psyched about that. Four things that I have to say about White Vision, three of which are mine. One is from the chat. One, I really liked how just, again, despite the same actor playing him, there's just a lot of subtle little things like White Vision always has this kind of snarl. Two, this was a great opportunity to see the textures of the character's costumes and makeup. Like, yeah, you can kind of see it with real vision, but the colors are a bit distracting because, you know, it's bright contrasting colors. And with white vision, whenever it zooms on his face, I'm like, oh, there's some fantastic detail work there. Three, does anyone else find it hilarious that when Sword brought him back, they included the cape? Like, the, the cape is vital, I guess. And four, Gwen Stad in the chat says, weird white vision theory, he will seek out Banner, since the parts of him, as Bruce discussed, he's the only one left. So, yeah, of the people that made him, of the people that were there at his birth, I guess. You still have a few people left. You said, well, Thor. Yeah, well, Thor is off doing his own thing. Um, I'm wondering if maybe we could see White Vision again in the She-Hulk series. That would be awesome, right? In that case, yeah. You have a lot of characters that can go forward, even characters that can come back. As we've heard that we would see Iron Man again. There's thoughts about limited capacity, that sort of thing. But this is Marvel Comics. Anything is doable, right? So we'll see. Now, another thing that I know Michelle is going to want to talk about, and that is the twins. I'm just going to let Michelle take this one, too. <laughs> oh, the twins. First off, like when they when they come to help mom, the pose in the middle of the street with Vision and Wanda. Yeah, the, and the Incredibles twins. pose. The Incredibles <laughs> pose. I like that. Oh, I, I love that. Thought it was interesting. I have a little mixed thing about the twins. I like how they were able to come and 
help. I am a little disappointed because I think it's a moment that Monica should have had during the beginning of the season. Monica and Hayward were, you know, the ones that were butting heads and such. Instead, she comes in and we got to see her powers. She was able to help save the kids because she was able to like slow down the bullets and stop and stuff. There is the another black character in Marvel being a bullet shield is we had Luke Cage and now we have this. I thought it was fun to have the twins, but I do kind of wish that instead of the incredible sort of deal, we had Monica because I really think Monica was underused. And that would have been a great moment to bring her back and see her kick some butt that she deserved. She deserved more than being locked in the basement with Ralph Bonner and coming out for a little scene. But at the end of the entire episode, it was a post-credit scene, right? You had a mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene. In the post-credit scene, you see, and, and we'll talk about this later, but you see Wanda and you hear Billy cry out for- And Tommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear both of them. So what is your theory on that, Michelle? Okay, so I have, are they in Echo more along the lines of um, of a time thing? Because again, with magic, you have that dimensional deal. Are they residual energy left from the hex? I don't think Westview is totally Westview. Again, we have the ship of Theseus. If Monica got, affected on a cellular level what happened to everybody in westview because we learned the pain that the town people that they had been unable to sleep they're living her pain they're being bombarded with hex energy so you know what's going on with them and also agatha's trapped there are they trapped in the dark hole that's another thing because they were made from scarlet witch magic we see at the end of Scarlet Witch is, you know, reading a dark hold. Are they trapped in there in a way? Those are my three. My theory is that it's another dimension. We also, okay, again, this is more speculation based on comics. So in the comics, the chaos magic that the Scarlet Witch has comes from uh, basically one of Marvel's Cthulhu-esque figures a dark god called Sathan. and agatha is very clearly saying like you don't know what you're doing you don't know the danger you're gonna bring i don't know if i think well we've already had dormammu so that's one you know kind of dark god figure are we going to have another one and in the comics again we've discussed before billy and tommy were made from shards of the soul of mephisto is it going to be a situation like that? Like she borrowed a little bit of the soul of a dark God to make these kids. I don't know. I have no idea what direction they're bringing it in, but I think very clearly, if not them showing up in Dr. Strange Two, the motivation is still going to be there. Her motivation to learn and do this. We don't know if she's going to be, I don't want her to be an antagonist in Doctor Strange 2. We'll see. I don't know. I do not know. I got a few things to say about the twins, probably not as in-depth as, as you guys. First of all, boys, take care of the mi- military. Mommy will be right back. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. 
A little call out in that scene that somebody brought in was when Tommy grabs the hat and the glasses. Quicksilver did that in the MCU movie in um, uh, Days of Future Past. Right. That was the next thing I was going to bring up. And then the final thing where Wanda is talking to them in bed, she says, thank you for choosing me to be your mom, indicating that they were possibly something else and that she embodied them into some sort of corporeal being within the hacks. I don't know. I'm not speculating. I'm just saying that that line probably means something. Okay. Regarding that scene, there is a criticism I saw last night that was not something I thought of because I don't have kids. If you're familiar with Justin McElroy from the McElroy brothers, this was like his one complaint about the series and particularly the finale is that Wanda walks out of the room. He's like, I don't care who you are. You're going to want to be with your kids at that point. As a parent, that felt false to me. I am not a parent. I don't know. SP, what are your thoughts as a parent? Yeah, that thought went through my head quite a bit as the scene was unfolding. But as a writer of the episode, the big thing is you want is you want the final scene between Wanda and Vision. And they all kind of, since they're all in the same house, it all kind of happens simultaneously. But you want her and the Vision versus her and the boys. So in this case, what's happened is she has put the boys to bed. They have gone to sleep. So if you're with them, I understand how it, I would want to be with my kids, but at the same time, I think they needed the writers for storyline needed Wanda and Vision to be separated. And they're both grieving. They're both grieving a lot for different reasons and for the same reasons. So I can see that I'm not going to minimize that, but I can also see the fact that the boys were put to sleep. They were going to be taken care of. It wasn't like they were going to be dying. Wanda thought, I guess, this is an inference, that their souls would continue to live on. So maybe, because I think that line that she says to the boy says a lot. That, thank you for choosing me to be your mom. Meaning, they came from somewhere that's not her. And that they would continue to exist. So... If you take it that way, I could see it. But if you're not thinking in those terms, then, oh my gosh, Wanda, you're a terrible mom, which she's a terrible person for controlling everybody in the town. I mean, she meant well, but I mean, you saw what everybody did. Yeah, you can mean well and still hurt people. Right. I mean, my kids have been in the hospital. You guys have either recorded episodes or we haven't had episodes as I've literally driven across the country to be with my kids in different instances or i've had stuff happen during the podcast with my kids and you guys have seen me literally get up and walk out Mm -hmm. that is me with my kids i would be with my kids i agree with that i'm not trying to minimize that at all i'm just saying in the context of the story there might be other things at play i think they probably could have flipped it i think before they put them to bed, they could have had that conversation and then gone upstairs. And then they would have had like that moment together. Yeah. I think maybe they could have done that, but I understand this really started with her grieving over vision and her using her mindstone energy. 
to make him, I like, you know, what she said, you're my sadness, you're my hope, but most of all, you're my love. I think that was the resolution of this is why she did it. She's facing the awfulness with the townspeople and then she's letting him go. Yeah, I, again, if I were writing it, there's parts of that scene that I think you could flip to before, like have the kids getting ready to go to bed, have them having that discussion and then have the final scene with them all being in the same room and them having like a whisper conversation for the last little part of the like, I've been this, I've been that, who knows what I'll be next. But it was what it was. This is the show that we got. This is, you know, the writing that we got. That was one of two missteps, I think. I wasn't thinking of it at the time, but now I'm like, okay, I can definitely see that. The other being the reaction. I've seen the strongest reaction among my little corner of Twitter to this part where Wanda lets the town go and kind of walks away scot-free and Monica says they'll never know what you sacrificed for them. Okay, I have a lot of feelings towards people who have done bad things making up for it. I feel like it's not enough to say you're sorry. You have to take actions that show that you are sorry. Like anybody can say anything. It's what you do that counts. I feel like simply letting everyone go wasn't enough. I think the townspeople are perfectly justified in hating her for putting them through all that. Like they were prisoners. Yeah, they were prisoners. I've been with somebody who didn't know what they were doing to me until years later. And it's like, okay, just because you weren't aware of this doesn't mean that I didn't feel what I felt. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much that thing. Wanda. She's not a villain in my mind, but she is definitely somebody who hurts people without intending to. And that's where I find, again, the way they use Monica in these last two episodes upsetting because you have her saying that. And then afterwards, you know, if I had your power, I might be tempted to bring back my mom. Like this whole simplification of the justification. You know, we have been talking about, yes, she is grieving but in the end this is what she has done and i mean the person who was dotty who ended up being sarah was like can you please wake up my kid so i can hold my kid there was another woman who was just like can i make a quick phone call to my husband who's on a business trip to say don't come home there is serious things and like what are they going to do is jimmy woo just going to like be in charge and hand everybody, I don't know, here's a check or something. Here's a candy bar. Like, we're sorry. Here you go. Yeah. The fact that she just got to fly away as the Scarlet Witch. How are you going to stop her? Honestly, I mean, I, I would love yeah. to have held her accountable or stop her or something like that, but you're not, there, there's nothing. You're, you're not going to be able to contain her. You're yeah. not going to be able to stop her. You're not going to be able to make her do anything that she doesn't want to do. Yeah, and I get that. And that is one of the things about the character is that by being so powerful, she's unintentionally hurting people. And it's something that I'm pretty sure, I'm like 80% sure they'll probably touch on in future stuff. It's not the first time either. 
Yeah, no, like back in Age of Ultron, back in Civil War, you see Wanda again and again doing what she thinks is the right call and hurting people. And that's kind of the tragedy of her character is that even just by virtue of being, you know, a chaos magician, she is causing damage. Like, again, the comics, anytime somebody uses chaos magic, it's like the universe gets a little thinner and a little more susceptible to, you know, the dark gods coming through and taking stuff over. And I don't know if that's the route they're taking for the, you know, MCU, obviously, but it is, I think, a vital aspect of her character that does get glossed over a little bit at the very end. We still have a lot to discuss and some things in particular that might tie into this discussion. So the next thing that I want to talk about is the Darkhold and the fact that it is what now? <laughs> um, here's the thing with the Darkhold. A name is a name. Is it the one from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is it the one from Runaways? Is it both? If it's both, what's the order of events? Did Morgana get it from Hal? And then did Radcliffe, you know, steal it from Pride or something like that? It's one of those things that, or it could be like the missing book from Doctor Strange. It's one of those things that is Kevin Feige taking this chance to take, here's the Darkhold and able to go, it's not what was in Runaways. It wasn't what's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I am now making it this. There is an, an article from CBR.com that I put in the show notes that does actually have pictures. I did not have enough time or the energy to go bring pictures. So I found a, a decent article about how it is physically different than the other dark holds that we have seen. It is just like the text is different, the way it acts, like the, the text. The ones from like Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. changed into like binary and Ada could make like the framework and herself and whatever. This seems to be a different dark hold. Definitely probably from the dark dimension, I'm thinking, because of the weird energy coming from it. So I know everyone's like, it's a dark hold. Now everything's canon. Need to realize it might not be. I think the fact that it is physically different from the others well, first of all, I am of the opinion that it's the missing book from Doctor Strange, especially since we know, hey, this show's supposed to be tying into Doctor Strange, too. I think that the fact that it looks different, all this time I've been convinced that the different MCU stuff is like basically its own little split off of the main ones and its own little dimensions. Like we know Cloak and Dagger and Runaways are definitely their own thing. As of right now, the Netflix shows seem to be their own little like splinter off from the events of the Avengers and etc. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was split off from a right around Winter Soldier. So I think that the visual differences between all these dark holds is to me a way to set each of these things apart. Like, again, the Darkhold exists in, I think, pretty much every Marvel dimension, multiverse, whatever you want to call it. But that is this universe's version. 
And it is very specifically, you know, what we've seen it so far. I mean, yeah, there's a chapter in it about the Scarlet Witch. We don't know what the other chapters are. Is it more like magical beings? Is it going to say what the Sorcerer Supreme is? Stuff like that. I don't know. I'm guessing we'll see in Doctor Strange too. I was just happy that it was confirmed to be the Darkhold. Yeah, and I'm not going to leave out the possibility that magic might actually be changing its appearance every so often, depending on who has it, who's reading it, that sort of thing. I'm not going to push that out, but I'm not going to discount the fact that it does look different in different shows, and it has not changed appearance in those different shows. We'll see what happens. I'm not pinned in on anything, which gets into another discussion that we're going to have in a little bit. But before we do that, there's a couple other things I want to discuss. First of all, is Monica. We talked about Monica several different times, but I don't think we've taken it all the way to the end. So Monica has now changed. She's superpower. She was able to come in and help the boys in the final fight. She wasn't a big player in the final fight at all. She seemed to be helping the townspeople until she got taken away in the mid credit scene, which <laughs> took her into the theater. There was nobody else in there except for a scroll. Okay, so we know this was setting up Doctor Strange 2. We knew that Monica pointed at, okay, maybe a little bit of Captain Marvel 2 setup here with the scroll with the a friend of your mother sent me. He's up there. We know that Monica is going to be, I guess, going to space, and that's going to be cool. I've also seen some discussion like, okay, is this also maybe setting up a little bit of Ant-Man 3 and Thor 3 with Jimmy Woo and Darcy maybe returning to their respective originating movies? I don't know, but those two are for sure set up, and that makes me very happy. Let us see Monica in space. Yeah, it's going to be interesting i hope she is in captain marvel 2 i think the him is nick fury because the last time we saw nick fury he was in a spaceship so that would make sense it'd be interesting in captain marvel 2 how they would introduce her it's one of those things that marvel wants you to watch everything and i think part of the writing and stuff assume that you've seen everything but they're going to have to re- they realize that not everyone has seen WandaVision when they watch Captain Marvel 2. So I do wonder how they're going to introduce her. Is it just going to be like, this is Monica and she's Spectrum or Photon, but I hope it's Spectrum. And she does all this stuff and that's it. Or they're going to do like a little recap of how she came about. I don't know. Be interesting. The MCU has done a phenomenal job of doing that sort of stuff with one-liners. My example is Iron Man 2 with Rhodey, right? And the change of of the casting for Rhodey. It was just a one-liner. Hey, I'm here. It's me. Deal with it. You know, that is one-liner right there. So it could be as simple as that, but we've gotten exposition in the MCU before that is taken care of uh, really briefly. And then maybe an allusion to, yeah, man, that, that was a mess down there in Westview or something like that and move on uh there's other dangling threads or at least items of interest that we've been carrying along in this series one of which was 
Ralph Boner. Oh, God. <laughs> that, okay, there's a couple of really good trolls that they pulled on us this episode. Ralph Boner was the first one that we got. Like, you know, this whole time, oh, is it Pietro? Is it Pietro? And then we see his, I guess that was a bill or something. He's Ralph Boner. <laughs> I'm, I'm still laughing at that. Although, Okay, and the other one being, remember a couple weeks ago, Elizabeth Olsen was like, hey, there's going to be like a spoiler for The Mandalorian. Luke Skywalker in the finale of The Mandalorian-esque cameo. And recently, Paul Bettany was like, it's somebody I've always wanted to work with. I saw a tweet that was like, very, very brave of Paul Bettany to say that the person he's always wanted to work with is himself. He could have been told to say that too <laughs> to misdirect. I mean, it's the MCU with snipers. You know, you, you never know what's going on. I'm not going to say I was disappointed because I was trying to keep my expectations super low for any cameos, tie-ins, whatever. But I did have to laugh. I was like, oh, they got us good. And I know some people are really mad about that. I am somebody who appreciates a good troll in the old-fashioned sense of trolling. I say old-fashioned, I mean like mid-2000s, mid-early 2000s, where you're just saying like a ridiculous thing and it, presenting it as like a truth. We got Rickrolled. We got basically, yeah, Marvel, Marvel did the equivalent of Rickrolling us. It was great. Yeah, we'll talk more about that <laughs> in a second. So another thing is the witness protection program person that Special Agent James Wu came into. We never found out who that was. Now, there's speculation that it might have been Ralph Boner with some of the stuff that was laying around the house. I don't think oh there's any God, connection. I didn't even think of that. I hadn't thought of that since the first episode or the first episode where he showed up. I think people are trying to make connections that aren't necessarily there. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I just wanted to bring that up because it's something that we've been talking about all along. And I saw your note in the notes, so I didn't put a note in there, Michelle. The guy SP won't stop talking about. <laughs> We're talking about Agent Franklin. Yeah, for we, Agent we Franklin. still don't know. No idea. <laughs> oh, idea. Yeah. So, and Dottie, by the way, was Sarah Proctor. She announces herself or introduces herself as Sarah. Her character's name was Sarah Proctor, which I know Lauren knows who that is. Well, it's more, okay, back to the Salem connection. One of the, I mean, I'm just making sure I'm correct here. Uh, one of the the big families involved in the Salem witch trials was the Proctors. Like, if you've ever read The Crucible, there's John and I forget the wife's name. I keep thinking it's Mary. Yeah, Sarah Proctor was one of the women in the actual Salem trials that was accused of being a witch. Now, I don't think anything really happened to her. Yeah, as a result of it, but that's no, where the... um, she, if I remember right, she died. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure that... She wasn't burned at the stake, I know that. Oh my god, no, nobody was burned at the stake. This is, it's... Yeah, right. My... No, I learned that from you, because nobody was. Yes, thank you. But if you've ever, if you're familiar with the Crucible, the whole, or even just memes that I saw Goody Proctor with the devil... So, that's where the name actually came from so it was just an homage and emma caulfield who was in buffy the vampire slayer she was a demon in buffy yeah so she understood how people might have wanted there to be more inference with her character with the grand mcu so she thanked fans by the way but said she and she understood how the fans could have read a little bit more into it also darcy 
her scene in the finale was underwhelming to say the least. It was a big moment. She pinned Hayward in his car and and took him out of the game and that sort of thing. And that was it. We saw her driving the funnel cake truck and crashing into Hayward. And that was it. We didn't get, she skipped town or something like that. Yeah. And then she bounced because debriefs are for losers. I can understand that is so Darcy and that is so Kat Dennings. I understand that, but I think it's a major failure to have her in there for like the 15 seconds. I mean, it took her all that time to get from the outside of town into the town center. I have issues with that. (laughs) Okay. I would like to see the deleted scenes of Darcy being held up by increasingly (laughs) implausible things. Like we started at implausible and then we just get like a giraffe runs by. If we get that, I will apologize for my rant there because that would have been awesome. But I don't think we're going to get that. No, I think we were touching on this a little bit before we started broadcasting. You mentioned that this was filmed during, I guess, the latter parts were filmed in September to November of 2020, which means pandemic, which means scheduling problems. So it might have been that she had a larger role and just could only like they may have just like filmed her and then green screened her in. I don't know. Yeah, she might have not have been able to do the quarantine for whatever reason. So they just brought her in to be inside the truck for that final episode. And that was it. I have no idea what the filming was like, but just keep in mind that the pandemic might have had an impact on these last set of episodes, including the last two episodes. And I know a lot of people have issues with the last two episodes. Maybe they had to rewrite certain things because of the pandemic. So that I'm keeping in the back of my mind. And I know Falcon and the Winter Soldier had at least reshoots because mm-hmm. of the pandemic that pushed them off. So we could be seeing some more of that as well. Whenever Wanda is dealing with the townsfolk, I don't know if that would have changed at all, but it was always outside and everybody, if you notice, was socially distant from each other without masks. So this is timeless. Hopefully it will last well beyond the pandemic, but I think the pandemic had a impact on on the filming here. Now, the last thing that I wanted to discuss within our episode discussion, and we've been hitting on it throughout our discussion so far is best summed up by a post that was on our Discord server, which you can find at gonnageek.com slash Discord. We did have a spoiler channel, still do have a spoiler channel, and a lot of the WandaVision discussion right after people watch were in the spoiler channel, which you can mute, you can turn off notifications for if you don't want to be spoiled. Because I don't know about you guys, I didn't watch it until Friday night, so starting Thursday night, I put it on uh, mute for the notifications, so I didn't get any notifications there. I didn't venture into Twitter or Reddit or any place that I thought would be spoiled. I didn't click on any headlines. I was working a lot on Friday, so it's almost a mute point for me. But anyway, Steven, the owner of Gonna Geek, he's been on the show before. He wrote, quote, unpopular opinion. Many Marvel fans are over theorizing themselves out of fun. They're headed in a direction of many Star Wars fans, unquote. Now, the post was a lot longer than that, but at the end, he talks about the conclusion, the misdirection of the entirety of the post. And I will put this post in the show notes, so if you're not in the Discord, you can read the whole thing. But this is one of the last things he said. It's not the last thing. He said, quote, could you imagine if two out of the last three episodes were essentially wasting time with a misdirection? 
However, for many, they were so caught up in their speculation, they felt it was the case. And he was talking about uh, how different things in the last few episodes fans were speculating was misdirection and they were going in a different direction because it, it fit their theories. I kind of agree with this. Oh, I totally agree with it. I am very much a Star Wars fan. I've been a Star Wars fan since literally before I can remember. I remember when the prequels were coming out, when the sequels were coming out, people were just guessing constantly. And then there comes a point when you're so hyped up that anything that happens is probably going to be a disappointment because you've hyped it up so much in your mind. This is one of the reasons I try to go into movies with no expectations other than I'm probably going to have fun with this. We keep seeing over and over again with the big franchise movies, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, people have a certain set of expectations, especially if, like me, you're a big old comics nerd and you're like, okay, well, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it should be. And it's like, yeah, but this is a completely different medium. There's different time allowances, different. There, there's so many things you have to take into account even before you get to the actual script writing part of it. And you kind of have to look at it through that framework. I Again, I also saw this with Game of Thrones. I'm a huge Game of Thrones nerd. I remember seeing so many people disappointed with in the first season, all the stuff that they changed from the books. And then that just kind of went on and on and on. Any adaptation of any medium is going to make changes that people aren't happy with. Anything that's coming out based on material that, like, yeah, you're familiar with the backstory, like Star Wars and stuff. But if you go into it, if you went into like episode nine expecting that we would see Thrawn, because for a bit it really looked like from the ads we were going to see the Dark Fleet from the EU, and we know Thrawn is in the. Anyway, when you hype yourself up that much, anything that you think of that you're not relying on a budget or a panel of people to vet your writing or a panel of people to make sure it's in continuity and a panel of people to make sure that. You're not using characters that are slated to be in something down the line, and you have to use these actors because financing went through and they have like every actor has a dollar amount attached to them of this is how much we can expect them to bring in at the box office. And the stuff that you're going to have to get right about, you know, the, let's filming locations and filming references for countries that might be funding you. Just there's so much stuff that goes into it. Personally, I was happy with the ending. I didn't get a lot of the stuff that I was thinking we might get, but I'm more or less with the exception of those like that one plot point and then the second one when it was brought to my attention. Yeah, I've been overall happy with it. I also can understand the people that aren't because this is this is a different thing than the MCU movies have been. Yeah, I mean, there are still threads. We never found out like who Monica's guy is. And uh, I'm going to take point with my mom. My mom enjoyed the show. She liked it. She was a little disappointed in how many threads and she realizes she knows the Marvel trick of, oh, this is going to be in Doctor Strange too. And she sort of realizes which threads are going to be picked up in movies. And then it's like, 
I got to wait two years for a movie, don't I? And it's like, yeah. But when it comes to the whole speculation, I read an article, I can't remember when, how this is called the lost phenomenon, where the TV show Lost came on right when like Reddit and forums were really starting to develop and take just really sort of gain steam. And you had all these people finding each other about Lost, writing these long posts, doing Easter eggs from things from previous episodes, and then doing these predictions and then getting really upset about how Lost ended. And so what do we have now? We have, there's all these articles. One of the things I was really disappointed about, yes, write your recap of WandaVision. Write your Easter egg article, but do not use a thumbnail that is a spoiler Ugh. in your little thing. That is wrong. That is unprofessional and disgusting. Yes, there's going to be spoilers. Like, here's the recap. There's going to be spoilers. But in the article, don't have a picture that is the thumbnail. Like when you can't. You know, some people are scrolling and they know to like bypass it, but then you have this picture that's a spoiler. Don't do that. It's like people want to avoid spoilers. So we know to like, okay, I'm not going to read that article. But when you have that picture, that's just kind of awful. And there's that. So it has bred this whole industry where you've got people being able to make all of these connections all these Easter egg articles. And is this refers to, you know, Avengers episode, blah, 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 where this happened. And it gets people thinking that, well, if that happened in the Avengers episode, blah, 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 then of course Mephisto is going to be there, blah, blah, blah. And what do you mean he's not there? This isn't, that wasn't a fly. How could this just be Agatha or something and blah, 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 blah. You have to, like, one of the reasons why I do like doing this podcast, I think going over the possibilities, you know, like especially that one episode where Lord and I just geeked out. <laughs> I think that's fun. But then we're sitting here going, yes, we have a little nitpick. Yes, it's kind of like we got to wait so long to figure out if Agatha is going to be able to come out to play in Doctor Strange 2. I hope she does. But to throw a tantrum is I mean, sometimes, yes, we do need therapy because sometimes like the writing's bad or the acting's bad or something like that. That's different. But we had a lot of theories and we were incorrect. You know, Mephisto wasn't coming. We did not get a cameo from anybody from Doctor Strange, even though this goes into Doctor Strange too. We didn't even get Wong. Okay, that's it. We were wrong. But you know what? It's just kind of fun. And when you take the fun out of being able just to throw around theories, then just take a deep breath and sometimes write your venting in a Word document and just keep it in the Word document. You don't need to put it out on the internet. You can vent and write a whole bunch of stuff on Word or whatever private, you know, writing thing you do, whether or a physical journal. You don't necessarily have to put it on Twitter. That's the thing. You don't have to. Just remember that. This doesn't necessarily about WandaVision, but over the past, I guess, 10 years, I have less and less patience for people trying to ruin other people's fun. Okay. For example, 
I'm not a Twilight fan. I think they're very badly written and have bad messages. And I got so actually legitimately triggered from reading the first one. I was going to just read it and be like, okay, well, I can't really make fun of it without reading it. Ugh, okay. I actually started getting anxiety and had to put it down halfway through. A character was reminding me too much of somebody that I had a bad experience with. But I recognize that other people really like Twilight. People are really invested in it. I'm not going to try and ruin their fun. I like to keep my Twilight snarking between me and my friends who also don't particularly like it. I don't go out to other people's posts and be like, you're bad for liking this and this is why. Same thing with Marvel. I've seen a lot of, okay, the example I'm going to use is people still bringing up Martin Scorsese saying that he doesn't like the Marvel movies. Okay, that's his opinion. It's not the type of movie he likes. It's not the type of movie he wants to make. And honestly, the rise of big tentpole movies has made it a lot more difficult to get the movies that he does like to make made. I can understand that. But every time when a Marvel thing does well, people are like, oh, Martin Scorsese is going to change his opinion now. No, probably not. If it's not hurting anybody, just like what you like. And again, there's nothing wrong with saying this didn't work for me. I thought the writing was bad, whatever. Also, don't tag the writers when you do that. That is so rude. I'm not saying like only put positivity out in the world, but kind of recognize where boundaries lie is the thing. I guess that's really all I'm saying. Yeah, there's constructive criticism or putting things out there. It's like, I'm cautious to recommend this because of this message. I have, you know, sometimes kind of stated, I don't watch something anymore because of this, but then like dropped it. I don't bring it up constantly. And I know people yeah. in my life that still watch it. I'm not going to like be like, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm also a teacher and I have kids that love Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. JK is a trash fire. I am not going to sit there and talk about their, you know, this author. These kids read books. They like watching the movies. They read other things like because I've read Harry Potter, I'm now reading this fantasy series. I am not going to take that away from me. I did have to take a deep breath to go like, that is not my position. I am not going to ruin Harry Potter for them. And everything and just sit back and let them talk to each other, especially in like these kids do not have, they're all being homeschooled and they don't get to talk to each other. And I'm just like, okay, you want to talk about 10, you want to talk about Harry Potter for 10 minutes before we do this lesson, talk about Harry Potter for 10 minutes. So yeah, there's a point where you could just say something that is like, I don't, I can't recommend this because of this. Like now, Greece realizing as an adult how inappropriate the movie Grease is was yeah. just I, like oh my goodness there's so much stuff that I loved as a kid and I go back and watch it I'm like oh no yeah oh no it's Sandy transforms herself completely oh god that, that's oh no that's, they use oh. the f slur so many times in this yeah. movie just stuff like that yeah but then being able to state it concisely and then take a deep breath and it's like okay i said my little piece i don't need to rant and i don't need to bring it up every three years or whatever yeah there's a big okay and i say this as somebody with 
tattoos of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and stuff on me that I put there permanently. There is this whole thing about tying your identity to liking a thing where people will say, I don't like this thing. And some people will take that as an attack. I used to be that way about Star Wars and let's be real, Backstreet Boys. It's not an attack on you. It's somebody saying, okay, this didn't work for me. And with WandaVision, as much as I love it, it didn't work for some people. Well, it didn't. I think it would have worked for some people if they would have just taken it to the higher strategic level and not been nitpicking so much about the strategy and I need to have the show do this for me or I need my theory to be right or something like that. Yeah, and there is it, that. But also some people were expecting just different from the show. Like one complaint that I saw was it wasn't actiony enough. I'm fine with that. I don't need a big action scene every single episode. Go watch Punisher. <sighs> yeah. There are other things that fulfill that need for me. If I want action, I go watch the Raid Redemption. Or whatever is your action. Yeah, whatever is your, your action hit. But I also recognize that some people, it's just, again, they didn't like the character, they didn't like the writing, they didn't like the pacing, whatever. But the fact that some of that might be from people getting too invested in their personal theories kind of makes me sad. Yeah, to start to wrap this up, uh, from a personal standpoint, I used to rag really hard on the Suicide Squad and some of the DC movies. I have completely pulled back from that because I realized that other people actually enjoy it. And by me ragging on those movies, I was sucking the joy out of those movies for other people. And I didn't want to do that because I didn't want people to do that for me, for the stuff that I like. I have come to terms with that, and I think people need to come to terms with that in fandom. This is just, it's fictional. It's stories. Yeah. It's not real. This is here so people can have fun. If you're not having fun, that's okay. But that doesn't mean you get to ruin other people's fun. So, uh, bring it back to WandaVision. I did have some final thoughts on some things that we didn't cover that I think might be explained in the future, at least two of them. One was, where did Agatha get the Darkhold to begin with? You know, did somebody give it to her? Did she get it from somewhere? You know, what was the chain of custody with the Darkhold from wherever it was supposed to be to ending up with Agatha and then ultimately Wanda? I think that needs to be explained at some point in time or people are just going to be theorizing themselves to death on it. So I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe, either through flashbacks or through Hey, chain of custody or the book said this was its owners or this was its location. I don't know if the book can do that or not. So that's something. Also, the spell that Wanda puts on Agatha at the end to keep her in Westview with the hex gone. What is keeping that spell on her? I don't know. And I think that needs to be explained because I do think we're going to get Agatha. I think we're going to get Agatha in maybe a reluctant teacher role in the future for Wanda. But I think regardless of what role we get her in, the fact that Wanda left it open that I know where to find you is going to be there. So we're going to get Agatha in the future, I believe. And then the whole thing with Hayward, that was so anticlimactic. There was such a thing. I mean, I kind of bought into it a little bit myself, but 
ultimately it was so anticlimactic. I don't know if he's going to be brought up on charges. I don't know if he's going to be fired. I don't know if he's going to be promoted. I have no idea where it is. It was just stopping him from keeping to it on attacking Wanda, who he set up to begin with. I mean, it was such a poor character development with Hayward that, in my opinion, in my opinion, that I am left wanting on that one character, as a lot of people are left wanting with a lot of other things. But I just wanted to throw that out. Any last thoughts on this episode or on WandaVision in its entirety? I'll start with Lauren. Okay. I saw somebody make this point, and yeah, very much so. If you're familiar with the Kubler-Ross grief cycle, it's the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. You can see all of that over the course of the show, particularly denial, the first couple episodes before she comes out of the hex. Anger, once, you know, Monica comes in and tells her, like, hey, this is what's happening. Bargaining, she tries to make it so, like, okay, if I, uh, I can't remember which episode the bargaining one was. Depression, the Modern Family episode. Acceptance, this episode. But you can very clearly track that model of grief through the show. You know, again, I, you know, I like the show and um, I thought it was very interesting. And I do hope some of those threads are picked up in other movies. I cannot leave this podcast without, I know this is unrelated, but on the theater, it had Townhauser Gate and my brain was just like, oh my God. So the first instance of it is from Blade Runner where you had the whole synthetic beings that only have a short life cycle. This comes from a speech made by Roy Batty. That's the character. And it's considered one of the most defining moments in cinema because of just how short the speech is and the performance of Rutger Howard and all that type of stuff. And for those of you, you know, I have links in the show note, but this is the actual quote. Mm-hmm. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ship on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I've watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. And Townhauser Gate has made a lot of other appearances. People have taken this thing. Here's the thing. Fandom, again... And the idea of fandom doing something is taken this one little thing, the Tannhauser Gate, and have referenced it in video games and other short stories and books. And it's like, maybe it's a gate to somewhere. Maybe it's this. I just could not leave this podcast without mentioning that because I'm a huge Blade Runner fan. And yes, Decker is a replicant. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I still have to see the reboot or the continuation or whatever. I own it. I just haven't seen it. I really liked it. Yeah, I need to see that. Again, it's divisive. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for our coverage of WandaVision. I could tell you all three of us can't wait for Falcon and Winter Soldier. However, that's not for two weeks. So in the meantime, next week, what we're going to do is we're going to continue our march through the long defunct now Netflix Defenders series with our penultimate series is Punisher season two. We're not going to take it episode by episode. We're going to take the whole season all at once. So all 13 episodes. So this is your chance to binge watch along with legends of shield, 13 (laughs) episodes 
We're going to come back next week and discuss that. We're also going to discuss some of the news that came out, I believe, in December on the Disney Investor Day that they had and all the news. We have yet to cover that, so I'm going to make sure that we actually cover the news points from that next week. So that's Punisher Season 2, Episodes 1 through 13. We're not going to take it one at a time. We're not going to take it two at a time. We're not going to take it three at a time. We're going to take it all 13 episodes in one week. and. Then we'll look forward the next week to our 14th series that we have covered here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which will be Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'm looking forward to that next week. In the meantime, we do have some quick news to cover. So here we go. Um, Yeah, our first news part is marvel reportedly developing the mutants okay again this is the keyword here is reportedly according to a report from the illuminati which i'm not sure how valid of a source that is i know very little about this website marvel studios has started development on the mcu's x-men reboot in you know regards to the name the decision to potentially not refer to the team as the x-men could stem from the name not being as inclusive. Marvel Studios' EVP of production, Victoria Alonso, said in 2019 that she felt the X-Men name was outdated since there are so many women members. And again, neither the movie nor the title are confirmed at all. This is a big case of somebody on the internet said, we'll see, I would like more X-Men in my Marvel. You will not hear me complain about that. What are y'all's thoughts? It is in line with the Inhumans, which sadly, I don't even know if it's canon or not, but it was a series for Marvel Studios television that we covered for better or for worse on this show. So the Inhumans, the mutants, it kind of fits within that. I don't know if they're going to go that way or not, but we'll see. I actually do like the change to the mutants because I think it's right. X-Men's kind of out there. Next move is next news item uh, is about Marvel dropping a cast member. Okay. We talked a little bit about Ant-Man 3 earlier in that is Jimmy Woo returning. Somebody who is not returning is T.I., who played one of Scott Lang's security nerd friends. The news comes in the wake of a slew of accusations of sexual abuse. I looked up these, these. It's okay. It's 11 people. None of the women involved knew one another, but described sexual abuse, forced ingestion of illegal narcotics, kidnapping, terroristic threats, and false imprisonment at the behest of T.I., his wife, and their associates or employees. Yeah, it's not great. I am in favor of dropping, I'm in favor of not rewarding abusers, which is one reason I am not happy that Jeremy Renner is back for the Hawkeye series. Yeah, I guess that's about it. And that's it for the news. And we've got some Twitter feedback. Okay, first, we were tagged by Mr. Paracletes. He showed us something that Gabriel Luna tweeted in regards to the Darkhold. Okay, y'all, I'll admit it. 
Under my mattress may not have been the best hiding place. Hashtag the Darkhold, hashtag WandaVision. And of course, for our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, you know that the Darkhold showed up originally in the Ghost Rider arc of the show. I thought that was um, funny. Um, We heard from Andy Migna. Yep. At Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I dare you to count all of her costumes and hairstyles in this series. Um... I might have to take you up on that. I certainly would not say no to rewatching the series again, knowing now that I've seen the whole thing and can go back and look for stuff. So I might have that in the next couple of weeks for you. And this really isn't feedback, but there is a wonderful hashtag, um, hashtag Vishon. That's V-I-S-H-A-W-N. We had white vision and black Twitter took that picture of Vision in the uh, turtleneck. Um, it reminded a lot of people of, like, of the rock. So they started putting like a gold chain on him. And now it's just taken off. <laughs> it is funny. It's just very interesting about what's happened. It's taken over. I just, I love it. It's, you know, Black Twitter is the greatest thing to happen ever on Twitter. Yes, Corey Scott Johnson. It is. It's just, what they're putting different hats on them, go chains, <laughs> stuff from like Black Panther. It's just, I'll just search that hashtag. It's just amazing. The two that I want to call out are the top two that are showing up when I search the hashtag. One is from at Christina Ariel. What, your man don't let you have a false reality to process your trauma? And it's again in the turtleneck with the rock gold chain and a do-rag. And then the next one is from at Jill Roby fangirl. Well, he is half Wakandan and it's, it's just, yes, it's very good. It's a light for us in these dark times, these troubled times, these uncertain times trademark. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Black Twitter for giving us what we did not know we needed. And we did get a very well thought out email. Yes. Okay. So. The email is from Andy Migna, thanking us for our coverage over the years and specifically this year with WandaVision. And what he did was go through episode by episode and just have his thoughts before the finale. There's, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but there's some really, really, really good points in here, including for the children, will it play a role in episode nine? A little bit, it was more. We do find out that, yeah, Wanda's been keeping the kids asleep in their bedrooms this whole time, except for the Halloween episodes. Again, what happened to Agent Franklin, a.k.a. the beekeeper? We do not know. After the briefing scene on the TVs in the background in episode five, we see scenes from the sitcom in episode three and episode five. Hayward ordering the drone strike. Did he do it intentionally because he hoped for Wanda to imbue it with her magic powers? And I'm going to take one from the last episode. Good idea by Wanda to use her powers against Agatha, like Darth Vader flinging stuff at Luke and Bespin. And we didn't see Whision, White Vision, enter the hex because because plot. And uh, yes, final end credit scene going to speculate that Scarlet Witch is learning the Darkhold to restore the twins. I think that is a pretty safe guess. So thank you for that email. Yeah, and that's our feedback. 
Well, Michelle, I think it's it's time for us to to do something. What do you think? I think we need to get in our sweatpants and drink some tea. As long as it's not boba tea, because I hey, can't drink it. I I love boba tea. I had some yesterday, brown sugar okay. boba. Uh, again, don't don't yuck someone else's yum, blah, blah, blah. I know you don't like it. Okay, one last thing that I forgot to mention for the episode that I literally just remembered with regards to the end. Is that mountain at the end supposed to be Mount Wondagore, where Wanda and Pietro were born in the comics? Or is it just a visual reference? I've seen speculation that it is the lake that is the remnants from the city that was destroyed in Age of Ultron. But was the mountain named Mount Wondegore? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. It might be something. It might be nothing. Same with a lot of the dangling threads here. Yeah. I just want to thank our listeners for listening to this very long episode. And thank you for coming with us all the way through our coverage here with WandaVision. We're going to do the same thing with all the Disney Plus series and the MC movies when they come out. We'll see when we actually cover the movies because, well, theaters and people's comfortableness of going actually going to the theaters or not. But we do plan on continuing our coverage of everything, uh, especially after the Netflix Defender stuff. We'll keep finding stuff to do because Marvel's got a lot of stuff out there. So we'll see on that. And just thank you for all the positive reviews that you leave on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We really appreciate those. It makes our day when those come through. Thank you to the people who have been tagging us and stuff on Twitter. Whether or not you're watching the live tweet, it's just I love seeing I love seeing other people's opinions of this stuff. And thank you to the people who showed up and chat with us today, uh, namely Gwen's dad and Felix. Thank you for your comments, even if we were just like so into it that we kind of didn't glance over until it was way too late to be topical but thank you we really love seeing and hearing what y'all are thinking about the show the mcu our weird tangents we really appreciate you thank you yes thank you for everyone who part who interacts with us i'm more on the discord than the twitter again if people there are really respecting the rules about using the spoiler channel Immediately on Friday, we have the week rule and such, and then it moves over over to the general stuff. People have been pretty much respectful of just like the discourse and having a good conversation back and forth about about the whole show. And yeah, so again, join us, garnetgeek.com slash discord. One last announcement. If you happen to get this before next Saturday, Lauren will not be doing a live tweet of all 13 episodes of The Punisher, but she will be back the next following week with a live tweet on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yep. Saturdays at 10 o'clock a.m. Central. So until next time, I'm producer of the show, director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com 
and also artists on Pond5.com and AudioJungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. My mom actually drove home. She's not a big fan of my car because it's like new and it has all the buttons and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, she, like her car is 20 years old and then you get into mine, which is like, I don't know, six. And it's just amazing. Just in the last every about two years, it seems to be a, a complete revolution inside the cockpit area. Yeah. So she's like, I got to remember your car can go from like zero to 70 in as much time it takes my car to go from zero to 30, <laughs> you know, like, so she's like, oh, wait, I'm going 70. That's not good. It's like, no, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so the car wasn't exactly old when I was driving it, but it was a 1978 Toyota Corolla. And it was just a small, probably a 1.2 liter. I, I'm going to have to find out how small that engine was. But in high school, we timed how long it took to go from zero to 60 because I was in the car with my buddies and I'm like, okay, well, we're just going to do it. We're going to find out. And they're like, okay, 17 seconds, zero to 60. That's a long time. Yeah. There were bets that it wouldn't make it to 60, but they knew I drove faster than that at the time. So I did. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hey. How about the schedule for the move? Are you guys still on for closing, what, at the end of the week here now? Uh, on the 10th. couple of days. Yep. Yeah, there is completely off topic, but the past couple years have, like, been this whole resurgence of, like, kind of Dadaism almost. And, um... As a fan of like surrealism and Dadaism, that makes me kind of happy. And I really love, I was, I don't know if you've seen um, We Are the Night or I think that's what it's called. It's the one that had Chris Pine and Patty Jenkins produced it. It was on TNT like last year and it's based on, ultimately it goes back to the guy that is the main suspect in uh, the Black Dahlia case. Yeah. Anyway, at one point in, I was listening to a podcast about it, and they mentioned that the um, the mascot of surrealism at the time was the Minotaur, which plays a big part in that TV series. And I, it, basically, that's Mothman for our generation. Mm. <laughs> the mascot for whatever this is is sexy Mothman. Thank you all again for going early. I have the the smallest reason to do it, but I'm happy. There's a wrestling pay-per-view tonight and <laughs> I'm actually having Mary and if you remember Lanta from the gaming thing. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's also in our little pod. So I invited them over to watch it and they finally said yes. So we're going to have burgers and probably they and Scott are going to be like playing board games and I'm going to be yelling at the exploding barbed wire death match. That's awesome. I think Chris yes. and Anthony were talking about that during ATGN this morning. Yes. Chris, uh, Chris is definitely one of my AEW buddies. He's, <laughs> I heard them say it's like a $30 pay-per-view. It's 50, Ooh. but 
they only, unlike WWE, who does them like every other weekend, they only do it four times a year. And they, with the exception of one, they've been worth it. The one that wasn't, it was like, okay, really early on, a like 50-year-old man got seriously injured and that really threw off the tone for the rest of the night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Matt Hardy, yeah, took a took a really nasty fall on his head on concrete. It'd be like me. Yeah. Doing that. You do not want to take a fall on your head from concrete from like 15 feet up in the air. No, it's bad. No, I broke my tailbone on the driveway last January. So no, Oof. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I've gotten through seven episodes of The Punisher. I need to get back to it. I um got distracted and started. What was I, I, I watched. I was feeling really bad this weekend. So I watched a lot of horror movies mm. because what I do when I feel bad is I watch a lot of horror movies and I watch wrestling and I'm like, well, at least that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten through seven episodes of the Punisher. I need to get back to it. I um, got distracted and started. What was I, I, I watched, I was feeling really bad this weekend. So I watched a lot of horror movies mm. because what I do when I feel bad is I watch a lot of horror movies and I watch wrestling and I'm like, well, at least that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.